I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to Care Talkers. We're your hosts. I'm Anita Flores. And I'm Sanjeev Etienne. And today we are going to get to the bottom of why funerals are so expensive. This is something, Sandrine, I think I pitched to you for the very specific reason that I had to do a pre-planned funeral for my father and now feel that I have a, a much better sense of why people do GoFundMes. For funeral costs. On your end, do you feel like before I brought it up, especially in your line of work, did you have a an idea of how uh, expensive funerals can be? Yes. In my previous role as a social worker, like, you know, because I've been in different areas of social work, but in healthcare, at one point I worked in a nursing home and at times patients would have like an excess amount of money and funds. And you're allowed, I think I want, don't quote me on this, but like you're allowed like about $10,000, I believe, to put towards funeral expenses, which I think is on the low end, to be honest. Mm -hmm. It is. It's, <laughs> it, 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 those costs really add up. I mean, my goodness, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's an option where you can uh, rent versus buy uh, something like a casket. <laughs> Which I'm like, what? don't you need okay. the casket? <laughs> All right. I already have. Okay. The biggest question, not so many questions. If you're renting a casket, what's happening? Are you <laughs> using the casket and then it's going in the ground and then what? Okay. No, no, no. So that's the point. It's not going in the ground. It's oh, actually okay. just for show um, at the funeral. Wow. Yeah. And then, and then what would happen is, because then, the idea is that you would then use, I, be I believe, a box, like some sort of a wooden box to right. put the um, 
body into the the, the ground, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. after the funeral and all that was said and done. So, yeah, funerals wow. are expensive. And somehow or another, someone randomly told me, and I don't know if any of our listeners would know this, but Costco, apparently, you can buy caskets from them. Okay, I'm looking this up right now <laughs> because I, I absolutely buy it. Um, yes, they do. See? I can confirm that Sandrine is correct. Caskets are available. <laughs> Should we just put that in the resources here <laughs> if you're Why looking not? to buy one <laughs> online? I mean, listen, these prices, I they're not compared to how much caskets can cost. Uh, we're talking $1,100, $1,300 for a casket. It's weird because though this feels like such a morbid topic, every time I talk about it with you, it feels so light and easy to discuss. And I don't know why. I just I think I just it makes me laugh a bit all of the money that people end up spending on caskets. And I think it might make me laugh because I can't it's hard for me to wrap my head around the fact that it's for somebody who's not going to be around right. to even, quote unquote, appreciate it. And and I only can speak for the cost of a Catholic funeral. I'm very curious about, you know, like, I, I you know, on my uh, on my mom's side. My grandparents and my mom is Jewish, and and I don't have the answer to how much that their funerals cost. But I, I would imagine they were less expensive because, like, in the case of my dad, he wants the whole shebang for a Catholic funeral, and that means a wake. You know, that means open casket, and that stuff does absolutely add up. Question for you. I don't know if you know yes. this. But is there a price difference if it's open casket versus a closed casket? Yes, because the difference. Okay, this is this is how I interpreted the funeral contract. I would see absolutely no reason to do an embalming if I'm not having an open casket. That's that's my thought process. Like I wouldn't really see the point of doing the extra work of presenting the body if it's not open casket. So, so, you know, I could be wrong here. I'm sure there there probably are. That could be common. Maybe people still do embalming, even if it's closed casket. But it just, yeah, I um, for me and who I am, I would not pay the extra money for embalming. And that that brings me to, I'd say, an important question for both of us. I asked you before we started recording, is this too mor- morbid? And Sandrine, but you made it sound like, no, we can no. talk about this. For you, given everything that you know from your profession and how expensive funerals can be, do you have a thought on what you might want to do when your time comes? Yeah, I really want it casual. Business casual. Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> no, business casual, that sounds too formal, actually. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> how, about, how about laid back? Jeans? <laughs> Jeans, sounds why great. not? Why not? Definitely less it. expensive. Yes. Because, yes. I mean, th- th- these costs really do add up. And I've been to many of funerals, unfortunately, but I know like what I wouldn't want. And I definitely don't need a fancy casket for something mm-hmm. that's going in the ground. Personally, I don't I don't see the, the draw behind it. Also, not into the idea of an open casket, which I'm on Anita's side when she said, talks about that. I'd probably go with the not getting embalmed. I've seen some some funerals where I've gone to and I'm like, this person doesn't look like the actual and I'm sorry, mm-hmm. like, I hope I'm not offending anyone, but it's really and truthfully, I feel like for me, I would want, I actually, I wouldn't want my loved ones to remember me in that way. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's Absolutely. just my whole thoughts about it. And to be honest, I didn't quite understand the process of embalming until we did this interview, which you'll get to hear later on how um the process like kind of like a in-depth discussion about the process Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. maybe that'll you know sway people's decisions who knows yes in a little bit you uh listeners are going to get to listen to uh funeral director uh jeff jorgensen who we had an absolutely delightful interview with him and i know that's a weird word to use but he was very open and a 
a, had a, you know, just a great sense of humor. And I just have to imagine those are important qualities to have in the line of work that he works in, you know, a sense of humor, warmth, openness, transparency. Uh, so I think you're really going to enjoy that interview. But yes, back to what you mentioned, Sandrine, with em- embalming. Yeah, I you mentioning embalming reminds me of the only wake that I've ever been to, which is which was my grandmother's funeral on my father's side. Yeah, I um, I didn't need it. I can tell you that I was very and I don't I don't necessarily I probably didn't handle it. I'm using quotation marks now because, you know, what I assume is that people do what my dad did, which was, you know, weep over the casket for his mother. And obviously, I feel like for him, that was like a release. But my reaction to walking up to my grandmother was, I am with you. I did not see her there. And so much so that it did not make me emotional. And I hope I don't offend anyone. I I poked her cheek a little bit because I wanted to see what it felt like. And it felt so strange, like hard, like, you know, a mannequin. It was so unsettling. It's not something I will ever forget. That's not something I really want to remember about her either. However, and we do get into this with Jeff, you know, I don't, you know, I would assume, Sandrine, the more people you ask that fall into our age range, I would think it becomes more common the younger the the people get that you ask, what kind of funeral would you have, that they might not necessarily answer the same way as my parents or your parents. You know, the more traditional route, I guess you would say. And so that brings me to what I would like to do for my funeral. I I don't want anything to do with the coffin. I would I am very pro cremation and it's also much cheaper <laughs> than being buried in in a cemetery. And that's as far as I've got it planned out. But I can tell you that I it would not be into the like this is very formal. I like that you use the word casual because I love the idea of people not all wearing black to whatever gathering happens in my name. Exactly. Do you know, can I just say this and maybe a listener who's Haitian can clarify this, but in my culture, at least from my mom's point of view, you are never to wear red to a funeral or any bright colors like yellow, like you're not supposed to seem happy. I mean, there's all these restrictions and I'm like, is this like, for real because I, I i don't know but this is how wow. like i was th- that's what i was always been told. i i just kind of go with what i've heard in in movies it's like wear black but i'm sure there's probably depending on your on your background that th- there's different traditions that people follow i would be curious about if anyone else uh if listeners uh reach out to us and and let us know have you also heard that you're not supposed to wear red to a funeral I'm very curious. And on that note, we have, as I mentioned before, uh, a very special guest coming up. We interviewed funeral director Jeff Jorgensen. So without further ado, please enjoy our interview with Jeff. Hey, folks, just a heads up that today's episode includes a conversation about embalming. So keep that in mind before you listen. Welcome back to Care Talkers. Today, Sandrine and I have a very special guest. He is a licensed funeral director and funeral homeowner. Please welcome Jeff Jorgensen to the podcast. Jeff, how are you today? I'm well. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. We're so happy to have you. It was a very interesting request that I put out into the universe, which was, can I talk to a funeral director? And I realized it was a little bit harder than I thought because obviously this isn't all funeral directors. You're probably the third one I've ever spoken to. But I would say, depending on who you talk to, I get the sense that some people perhaps working in the funeral industry, I mean, I'm curious on your thoughts on this, Jeff. Um, Do you feel like sometimes there might be certain funeral directors that don't necessarily want to disparage the funeral home industry? wouldn't talk as openly as someone else, yeah. such as yourself? You know, I mean, yes. Yes, and I mean, a lot of times when we are approached as funeral directors, and especially in media circles, 
it it tends to be kind of hard hitting what's wrong with your industry and can you explain this and what what are people doing and, you know i mean it's it it can be a defensive position especially for someone who's an employee you know if you're the employee of a of a funeral home you really don't need to go back and explain to your boss while you, you are talking to the media and defending your profession i mean that can be that can be yeah. difficult and so mm-hmm. i mean it it's certainly understandable but you know what i sort of <laughs> built my companies on doing whatever I darn well pleased. So here we are. (laughs) Well, now that this is our first, well, Sandrine, have you ever talked to a a funeral director before we get into it? This is your first time. (laughs) (laughs) I actually have, yes. In uh, my previous uh, career before working where I currently work now, which is doing community work, I was working in a nursing home and I've had many conversations with funeral homes and funeral directors in helping folks pre-plan their uh, funeral, which is, I know, something that you are familiar with, Anita. Yes, I would say having to pre-plan a funeral is definitely where my curiosity comes from. I would assume this is not something I would be thinking of if I were not planning a funeral for someone else. But um, Jeff, I'm curious, what was your career trajectory? How did you end up working as you do now as a funeral director and, and funeral home owner? Sure. So the nutshell version that I I usually spout off is I started out in aviation, which is natural. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I, yeah, I did commercial flight training uh, back in 2000, 2001. And I went to a school called Embry-Riddle, which is an aeronautical university. Got my undergraduate in aviation. And 2006 was not that long after um, 9-11. And that industry was kind of struggling as I was trying to break into it. I'd been in restaurants for the better part of a decade and, uh, you know, since my teens and it, you know, I had to do something different. And there was this guy who I had been talking to, he says, you should talk to my boss. And so I ended up getting a job, nothing that I wanted to do at all. Um, but I had to pay the bills. I got a job doing funeral sales, which speaks directly to your pre-planning. I sold funeral policies and, and burial spaces. And that was sort of the estate planning, you know, air quotes side of things that I, I worked in and I was promoted to management. Um, not many people in our industry have, uh, four year degrees, let alone, you know, graduate work and I was in graduate school at that time. And so that was sort of a, Hey, look, he's got the education. Let's move him up. I shouldn't say not that many people. And many people do have, have formal education and in most states you have to have a two year degree to, to be a funeral director. So, um, it's not that I, I was that different, but at the time it was something that made me stand out. Um, so I moved into management for a major corporation, you know, was working my way up the ladder there and, have always had an entrepreneurial spirit. And so in 2011, uh, parted ways with that company and decided to start my own for good or ill. And it, it's been 97.3% amazing. Um, it's been a really good move for me. I opened elemental cremation and burial in 2012 and then uh, went on to open another company that does sort of B2B um, funeral service work opened that in i guess it was 19 and then 2019 and also opened clarity funerals and cremation in southern california with a partner down there um so it's it's been a really really rewarding journey so i've seen both sides that pre-planning that that you led you to me and then also the what's called at need in the business or the families that are at the time of need have had a death that's that's where I've done most of my work is caring for families after they've had a passing. So that is sort of not even really a nutshell. I told you it was a nutshell. I lied. <laughs> that's a lot. It's interesting because I am basing this off of my limited experience and the show Six Feet Under that mm-hmm. it, it's a it, it's always like a it's like a family business. But obviously that's not always true, it sounds like. You know what? Six Feet Under was crazy accurate for oh. its time. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I loved that show. Yeah. Me too. It's one of my themes. It was fantastic. 
fantastic. I mean, the character development in it was so good. And let's face it, most of it wasn't really about funeral homes. Um, But all of the, so the Kroner Industries was thinly veiled. It was like Scott Kroner Industries or something like that. SCI is actually Service Corporation International. They did like, they even had consultants from the major. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, the whole thing was full late eighties funeral industry mergers, acquisitions, all that stuff. It was, it was actually quite accurate. All right. Well, that's good to know. I actually have a friend who does have a six feet under podcast. Now I need to uh, give it a shout out. This is my old roommate. It's called we're not over six feet under. So everyone check that podcast out. This is a plug for that podcast. And for apparently uh, that I'm now learning just from you that apparently it's it's kind of accurate. <laughs> yeah, that was a great show. So, Jeff, you're at three different funeral homes. Now, as a funeral director, what exactly is it that you do? What are your job duties? So our funeral homes are more of what's called, you know, low cost cremation or direct cremation mm-hmm. or, you know, simple services. Although Elemental does do burials, you know, Elemental cremation and burial is in the name um we can do traditional services but we are geared more towards the you know metropolitan market where it's a higher cremation rate and people looking for simpler services so what we do as funeral directors is a little different from say what a person in a community or market that has more traditional services so for example if you went to Louisiana and went to a funeral home there that had a brick and mortar traditional funeral home. What that funeral director does and what I do would, I mean, you may as well be talking about, you know, if I was the McDonald's, they would be the full, you know, Michelin Mm. three star restaurant type of a thing. And that I shouldn't be pejorative towards what we do. What we do is very important and just very different is what I'm I'm trying to describe there. So to answer your question, a lot of what we do is, you know, collecting information from the family and filing um, death certificates and getting permits and scheduling services, you know, scheduling the cremation or aquamation, which is a, a newer, um, it's called alkaline hydrolysis. It's like cremation. Um, those are the two main things that we do. Um, some burial, but it, it's all permits and kind of shuffling paper, but you have to have a, a real touch. Like you've got to get that done without sounding like that's what you're getting it done. So it's, it's a lot of admin. Well, and also it sounds like as in like, you also have to be a certain kind of person as well. Patient for sure. <laughs> yeah. Patient, yeah. I can't even imagine. I know all about patients. I get it. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you know, when you have uh, Sandrine with your background, um, you see it a lot. There's a lot swirling around in someone's head and, you know, a lot of people chalk it up to grief or something. It's like, well, yeah, grief plays a part, but chaos plays a larger part, like Mm. unfamiliar territory, chaotic environment, and a loss. You're kind of like, okay, your anger isn't necessarily directed at me, but how do I help move you through the space that we need to do? You know? Mm -hmm. Well, this seems like a very good segue. I I have a quote Mm -hmm. uh, from an interview you did, and this is from The Order of the Good Death. And this article is called Faces of Death. Jeff Jorgensen. So this really struck me. I'm just, I'm going to read it. You said, I've worked alongside traditional funeral directors that genuinely and passionately believe that not embalming and doing a visitation is a recipe for long lasting grief and stunted healing. Caitlin, Caitlin is the co-owner of what? Caitlin Doty? Caitlin Doty is the majority owner of, of Clarity. Yes. Right. So just for reference. So Caitlin, Mm -hmm. myself, and many others have pointed out that there is a quote unquote death denial in these practices and have suggested that making mom look like she's quote unquote, just sleeping might not be the healthiest way to go about this. So that really struck me. Now, Mm -hmm. can you expand upon that quote? Do you remember saying that? (laughs) You know what? I, it sounds like it came out of my mouth. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) yeah, I can expand on that. Everyone's different. So for example, 
Embalming is something that's been this hot button issue and preparation of the decedents is, you know, very polarizing and it really doesn't need to be. So for example, embalming has a lot of purpose, um, depending on your community. If you have a Guatemalan family that says, we want to have a funeral mass here in New York, and then we need to ship mom to Guatemala because she has a burial space in Guatemala. There are people on the extreme progressive side that would say, you don't need embalming. You don't need to do that. You can just do that visitation and put her on gel packs and then ship her to Guatemala. And you just need to do the paperwork. Mm. And it's like, uh, probably not, you know, I mean, are you creating more difficulty in trying to achieve the non-embalming than you are to just embalm and honor what they requested in the first place? And when we get into culture, so for example, many cultures, you know, whether it's Latin or black or Vietnamese, that that's the tradition. and if you're if you're saying no 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 you don't need to do that well if everyone in your family for the past three generations has been embalmed and laid out and it's a three-day production then hold on let's just put gel packs under them it's a very different look it's it's an aesthetic that isn't in their cultural norm and so that isn't necessarily healing because you, the naturalist, came in and said, oh, you know, to hell with tradition. You don't need to do that. They're just trying to hold you down. Well, you know, it's, it's up to the family. And so that's where you get a quote, like I, like I said, you know, what is healing to your family? What do you want to see grandma look like? How do you want grandma presented that matches with not only your healing, but your community's healing? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's where we get into what works for you. Yeah, I think the uh, example of, of just talking about different cultures, including Guatemala, I can't speak for Guatemala, but I can tell you that I, I think I said this to you pre-interview, um, but you know, as my father, listeners of the podcast, uh, you might know that I'm my father's health and financial power of attorney. He has dementia, and one of the things I had to do for him that I've been told to do, as if you're already one of those people who has to sp spend down money, that's a thing. I have to spend down a certain amount of money, my dad's money, for the future, and so I did have to do a, a prepaid funeral for him. And he wanted what I would call all the Catholic perks, mm -hmm. <laughs> That's sure. Catholic perks. That sounds terrible, but it's so interesting because like, I remember when my grandmother passed away, my, my father's mother, and he, you know, went for uh, a week mm -hmm. and my mom is Jewish. And so mm -hmm. when family members have passed away on my mother's side, it's been very simple, quick, Yep, like get them in the ground. Burials. Move it. Yeah. Go. But my but my grandmother, my abuela on my mother's on my mm -hmm. father's side. Yeah, it was like I I I have to assume my father is not the only Catholic South American man that has weeped over you know his mother. Mm -hmm. It was it's it's an image oh, I yeah. will never forget and like I can just tell you that that's not something I would like to do. For him, I I would just be happy to if it were up to me, you know, I'd sprinkle him over the ocean. He loves the ocean. Sure. But because he is Catholic, that is All not right. what he wants. Oh, yeah. That dog will not hunt. No. Oh, no, it's not. And let me tell you, do these costs add up? So oh, fast, real fast. <laughs> and also, I, I realize that I'm I'm laughing right now, but I I recognize that this is a gift because, you know, other people that I've spoken to, I'd say, I'm curious on your thoughts on this. Would you say it's more common that people are having planning these funerals at the you know more closer to when that loved one has died or would you say there are an even amount of people doing what i had to did, do which is ahead of time so the industry statistics would tell you one third of people pre-plan so mm. you know about 30 percent of people will go out and they will pre-plan and prepay their cremation or burial now, data starts to get really fuzzy because um, you'll get kids coming in saying, oh, dad, 
dad paid for everything. Now, since I don't own a cemetery and we don't run a cemetery in either of the funeral homes, um, you don't hear that as much because that that happens at locations where you do have both of them typically and it's really kind of heartbreaking because that usually meant that they paid for a grave so i've heard this yeah so dad said oh you know what i don't worry about i took care of everything and they may think that they took care of everything because they talked about everything at one point 20 years ago they went through all of it they had the guy that i used to be do the sales pitch and just trying to get the sales so they all right buy the grave and then we can come back and do the rest of it later and then later comes and they think they did it all well they paid for a grave and they left all of the cemetery items out. So in a cemetery, you have the space itself, which is called, We there are not enough hours for me to train you on this, but <laughs> basically you can buy the space. It's a right of interment place to put one set of human remains in one specific space. So you bought that, but there is no open and close, which is the digging of the grave. And it's actually, no one ever really says this, but it's the, the overhead of the cemetery. So, open and closed, then you have a marker setting fee, you have the marker itself, so the granite at the head of the grave. Um, you've got the vault, which is the inner lining of the, the, the grave that you put the casket into. Um, and then you have the vault setting fee. So you've got all of these things that add up to, I don't know, a few thousand dollars that you weren't expecting. And then there's the funeral home that he didn't prepay. So your prepaid funeral that you're talking about, um, when we get into that, that's a whole separate company. So even if they're both on the same property, if you have what's called a combo location, funeral home sitting on a cemetery, that funeral home is a separate company and you need to Mm. pre-plan all of those funeral arrangements. So, you know, that's everything from, you know, a full traditional Catholic service like you're talking about or alluding to, you haven't told me details on, but yeah, full Catholic, the whole shebang. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got (laughs) embalming and dressing and casketing the casket. You've got flowers, service folders, you know, crucifix. You've got all of the trap. I mean, I can go down the line. How far do you want me to go? So you have all of those things that were unpaid as well. So you have this family that says, oh, no, 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 dad took care of all of it. You pull out the paperwork and it's like, well, he spent $750 for a grave back in 81, but he paid for nothing else. And now Mm. you've got a $17,000 bill for the rest of it. Oh, my God. And that's why you do see GoFundMes and things like that for this reason. And so I'm Haitian and Mm -hmm. I also um, grew up Catholic in a Catholic household. And I know and I've been to many funerals, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, in my time. And Haitians, it's like to me and um, forgive me, but it's the truth. I feel like a lot of times there's a big production that happens with a lot of funerals. And I mean, when you sit and think about the cost, like the line by line item, like you're talking about the burial plot alone. And then that's just one piece. Mm -hmm. And then all the other things like that's crazy. And that's why all of these expenses add up. And so. Question. I know we're going a little off yeah, topic it's here. Yeah, good. But you mentioned before that you were in sales. Like you, you kind of started out in the field mm-hmm. in sales, sure. and so you were selling stuff. But as a person in sales, are you? You don't necessarily have to tell families about. Not that you're doing. Not that you're in this industry now, as far as sales. But is it up to that person that's selling you about the plot and mm-hmm. all this to tell you that there's also separate costs to think about, or not necessarily? Well, sure. So, I mean, remember, your goal as a salesperson is to get as high a ticket as possible. You know what? Honest, I'll be. I'll be candid. Most of the people I worked with, I can't talk about the entire industry, but. The teams I worked with were genuinely trying to help people and, you know, make a couple of bucks while you're doing it. Um, So it wasn't, I mean, we as a sales team were not out in full funeral vulture mode, but ultimately, you know, you aren't trying to hold back on costs, right? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. you know what, you're going to have all of these things. and, And the sales pitch is actually more of a, these are the things that your family's going to get stuck with. 
And these costs are going to increase. If we prepay them now, we can lock those costs in and minimize what the costs are overall. So let's get as many of these things in here as you can reasonably afford on a payment that you can afford. And so if you're a good salesperson, you really should be looking to what is the most this family can ethically afford. Mm -hmm. Because think about it this way. If I go in and I say, Sandrine, don't you want to take care of your dad? This is on your shoulders. Let's draw this up and then we'll go present it to him together. So how about this? And we go through the whole thing. And I, I come up with this fabulous Haitian funeral plan that is going to make everyone so happy. It is going to be the production. I mean, you know what? Let's do this. But we're going to save you a few bucks in the process. And I sell you something that is $16,000. But practically speaking, even on a five-year plan or whatever we draw this up as, you can only afford 12000 Ultimately, your family is not going to be able to keep that contract and it's going to cancel. Mm. And oh. if it cancels, I don't get paid or I get paid a reduced oh. rate or my commissions, you know, my reserve accounts drawn on. So I, if I'm smart, I'm not over planning you. It's a real rookie mistake to go in and, and sell someone a $15,000 policy when they can only afford seven. You're, you know, you're just getting greedy. You're going to get, you know, 0% of zero. So that's where it's kind of tricky. So we get a bad rap. We, I don't, I don't do that. We never did that. And I, I have no part of it now. But we kind of get a bad rap for overselling. It's like, eh, that's an amateur move. You really should be a partner in that contract. You should be looking for that family to say, hey, Anita, your dad wants a full Catholic, you know, Puerto Rican Catholic. Here we go. But let's look at, let's back this off. You don't need a $4,000 burial vault. You know what? A standard burial vault. Mm, I think that should be pretty good at 800 bucks instead of 4,000. Now the casket, how important is that to you and your family? Cause that's your driving costs in a funeral plan. That's the major expense is the casket. So, Hey, you know what? He wants a, a full presidential, which is usually one of the most expensive ones. Mm -hmm. Presidential. Damn. Yeah. Go Google it. It's fancy. If okay. you really want to go, if you want to go James Brown, get the Promethean, but that's oh for another my day. God. Okay, cool. Yeah. Go no, Google go it. Go, 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 go Google. Promethean cast. It's the Batesville Promethean. Oh my God. Wow. It's like gold. Oh my God. <laughs> it is, is it really? It's full James Brown. Wow. This seems like a really good time for me to finally ask these questions three years after I have signed. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, you pulled my string and I'm just talking. So you interrupt <laughs> at any point in time. <laughs> Let me just set the scene for you. I, yeah. I would say that I started this process of pre-planning for my father for young for both of us. I mean, in his case, I'd say he came into dementia early because of some sur life-saving surgery. He had apparently some people act differently after, depending on how old they are. Some people don't recover the same after anesthesia, after a certain age. So the bottom line is I had to do this for him three years ago when I had just turned 30 and he was 63, 64. That is young for both of us. Truly had no idea what I, what I was doing. And there was no way I was gonna bring my dad with me to this. I was like, this is too sure. weird for him. He's sick. I, I'm like, I don't know. I just felt really strange about bringing him to plan his death. So I brought my best friend with me to a funeral home. And I, I would say I was at in the best mental place anyone could be in that I ha was not actively grieving a person. So I think I was in sure. a perfectly good state of mind. In total, I think, uh, and you were right, Jeff, that you brought this up. I didn't realize until I got there and I appreciated the funeral home saying this, that the grave and the funeral, two separate trips. I, you know, I had to go uh, to check out some grave sites, which though I have no driver's license or a car, I, I feel like that's what it must like, must be like to get a car because it was, mm -hmm. it was a very nice, cheerful woman who was like taking me to different spots. And she was like, your dad's Catholic, huh? Does he want a spot near 
put the uh, crucifix. And obviously my dad was like, hell yeah. He didn't say hell yeah, but. Right, um, <laughs> right. Did you have some praying hands out in that garden? Yeah. <laughs> uh, which costs a little bit extra. But basically today yes. I went through this and circled some things that I never noticed before. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious if you could clear these up for me of some sure. things that are on this funeral contract, which includes under cash advances estimate, yep. mm-hmm. the vault acceptance fee. Do you know what that is? And it's $150. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So did you not buy the vault? Did I not buy the vault? That's a good question. I can tell <laughs> you, looking at this piece of paper, it looks like I got a casket. I got a outer burial oh. container with a cement grave liner. So you did. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> is there a vault setting fee on there? Oh, boy. I don't think so i don't see that so so that is see you may have lucked out here so okay that's good so there's the vault which is the outer burial container so obc outer burial container vault they're all sort of interchangeable for a concrete box that you put in the ground to put it in the ground you either have a setting fee or an acceptance fee um, I'm guessing is what that is on that contract. It's it's different at every cemetery, different in different states. Um, but basically, there is a fee, usually an acceptance fee in the, the cemeteries I worked at, was if you had bought a vault outside of... So you come to me and you say, oh, no, no, I took care of the vault with the vault company, that, or I bought it through the funeral home that I did the prearrangement with. So they're going to deliver it. Well, the cemetery, uh-uh, if you didn't buy it through me, then we're going to get we're going to get ours somewhere. So we need to do an inspection or an acceptance. So you're going to pay us 150 bucks cuz you didn't buy it through us. That's fully legitimate. Okay. Well, that fee is likely the way you're describing it, and I'd have to look at the contract. Um, but it sounds like it's a setting fee. So it, they they charge to actually take the two ton piece of concrete and put it in the ground. And you know what? 150 bucks ain't bad for that. Well, it's, it's a pretty big deal. It's not, you're right. $150 compared to the outer burial container, which cost $1,100, which apparently, no, that's no not bad. I did not get my dad the presidential casket. Nope. I nope. got him something called the Apollo and it was $1,000. It cost that- more money for this mm-hmm. burial container. And from what I could surmise, it seemed as if I was not really given a choice, as in why is a, a container necessary for the casket to go into? So that's a great question. It's not as nefarious as it sounds. <laughs> oh. However, uh, I've never loved it. So you did not overpay on either of those. So sleep, rest oh, well. Good. Um, Thank goodness. Yeah. No, you've, you've done great so far, Anita. <laughs> a to A plus. I've spent less than 17000 I know funerals can get expensive. So. You're rocking it. Yeah. The outer burial container goes in the grave, and then the casket goes into that outer burial container, and then they put dirt on top. Now, is it absurd? Yes. Oh, feels so good to hear you say that. <laughs> and... <laughs> Here's the thing. If you don't do that, over time, things that you put into the ground rust and rot. So when you're driving machinery like lawnmowers over graves with caskets that have rusted out or rotted wood or metal and the grave collapses, because that's think about it. It's a bubble in the dirt. You have you have a space of air in the dirt. And then that fails while something's rolling over it with a person driving it, you've got a problem. Mm. They also collapse when people are walking on them. It may just, so you have a seven-year-old kid and all of a sudden this drops two feet and the granite that you paid $6,000 for because it's an upright marker falls on the seven-year-old kid. So it's not as insane as you think. Now, it it's absurd that we do it this way in the first place, which brings us to green burial, which you'll ask me about, I'm guessing at some point here. But the way we have structured it as a culture 
or cultures, plural. I mean, it isn't just here in the US. Um, but the way we've created this death experience, like it's the fix for the problem. Well, okay. Before we move on, there's just, I, I, there's no way to get through all of this, but I think that was a very good. <laughs> no, keep going. Let, well, I, there's yeah. just one other thing that really stuck out to me, which sure. was flowers. I get flowers, but mm-hmm. they put, this is also under vault acceptance fee along with certified copies of a death certificate, permits, mm-hmm. mass offering at a specific church, a reception. I'm putting this wrong, a spread in the newspaper, but I would assume if I- Obituary. Did, an yep. Obituary. They, right. Mm-hmm. But then they yeah. have flowers and then next to flowers, they have casket spray mm-hmm. for $250. Oh, that's not too bad. You make it sound like a Jeopardy question. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is this exactly what it sounds like? This is a fee to like, wash the casket no oh okay it's the actual type of floral arrangement so a casket spray are the flowers that you set on top of the casket it is not a literal we're going to go out and get like an ortho thing and pump it up and spray the casket no (laughs) it isn't isn't, (laughs) yep it is a, a very fancy very specific floral arrangement wow and 250 bucks eh, it's about average it's not too bad well, for flowers, that absolutely makes sense, Jeff. But yeah. I was imagining like Windex or something. No. Somebody's no. wiping down the casket. Which would be far more entertaining <laughs> and kind of rapey charge. But no, it's an actual. Pretty insane. A, keep going. What other questions do you have on there? So far, you're doing great. You have not overpaid or bought anything that isn't like you're sounding good. I mean, but that's what's so crazy to me because. In the grand scheme of things, from everyone that I've spoken to about this prepaid funeral, I think right now, I think not including, you know, because the grave is a separate fee. That was mm-hmm. probably a few thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. But like everything else that was just a funeral home, it's like almost $12,000, which mm-hmm. I understand yep. compared to how much other people spend on funerals. Oh, yeah. I'll admit it. Yeah, I didn't go for the presidential casket. I went for Good affordable for things. I, my, you know, I'm in charge of my dad's money. He's not a, a wealthy man, but it just, it's to me when you don't look at it from the perspective of, oh, compared to other funerals, not bad. But in general, I'm like, wow, $12,000. That's, That's a lot of money. So I, and I feel like I'm going out of order here, but I am curious. Yeah. Do you happen to know when this started, this just everything you're saying, like, obviously you've gone through this funeral sales, but it's like, when did it become the business that it is with contracts and things? Thousands of years? I don't- yeah. Where do you want to draw the lines? I mean, <laughs> I, so in, in the United States, a lot of people draw the line at the Civil War um, when embalming was invented. And I, I use that before we, we get blowback and this guy doesn't know anything. Yes, embalming's been around pre-Egyptian times, blah, blah, blah. But modern embalming in the United States really comes from the Civil War when they figured out a way to transport the dead from the battlefield back to their homes. And that's where in Victorian era, you start to see pageantry surrounding death that i mean some of this stuff is very consumer driven and some of it's industry driven i'll say it's 80 20 we'll give it the 80 20 rule that 80 percent of it's driven by hey look this is what we can provide you and families go hey yeah we'll take that and more you know i mean it's it's been this dance over the past 140 years 50 years um you know between the industry and cultures you know i mean you go to you know the middle of iowa and if you weren't doing all the things that your neighbors thought you should be doing you looked funny you know you look mm. cheap or you look this or you look that and you know chicken egg really um but it's it's benefited funeral homes to such a great degree you think we're stopping <laughs> like <laughs> really but you know what the the market spoke you know and and honestly you know you brought up gofundmes the reality is cremations on the rise not because people like fire cremations on the rise here's one for you i get families 
frequently they will come and say, well, we're trying to decide between cremation or burial as though it's some like existentialist puzzle that they're working through. And I'll say, okay, well, let's talk about that. And I said, and I, oh, experience has taught me, take the emotion out of it and let's talk about, let's get down to brass tacks right now. And here's the thing. If you're going to do burial, you are not going to do it for less than $7,000, period. And I'm talking about picking the cheapest of everything. And that's no services. That does not involve you and some catering. And, you know, like you can go to Costco and get a cheese plate and you're still going to be more than $7,000. I'm talking about we pick up your dad. We put them in refrigeration while we get permits. We put them in a casket. We take them to the cemetery and under the cover of darkness, the cemetery's convenience, they bury him. No one around, no one, nothing. That is called an immediate burial, no services. It's still going to run you seven grand. And I'm, we are the cheapest in town or one of, you know, I mean, we're one of the least expensive for that. Mm. So when I tell people that, all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, I think dad's okay with fire. Dad, dad likes to be warm. <laughs> you know, like, oh, okay. Well, there you go. That decision gets real easy, real fast. Like I remember when uh, my, so my husband's dad had passed away several years ago and I was with his sister when we were talking, cause it was suddenly, I was with his sister at the funeral home and I remember them deciding if he should be cremated or not. And I remember going to the funeral with my mom and my mom was like, I never want to be cremated. That's so wrong. Like you saying that like made me like realize like, wow, I feel like many cultures feel like it's like a no-no like yeah. you can't be cremated oh, yeah. like it's just awful yeah and it's like well <laughs> yeah and you know what that that's so deep that people keep spending mm. it, you know what that's okay you know it really is about i mean when we get to the it's about healing it's about doing what what gives your family I don't want to say fills that void because you can't fill the void of, of the death, but that transition becomes something more meaningful. And if that costs money, then that costs money. Um, I, I'm not here to judge that. I just think it's, it's interesting to see that, that decision-making process, right. you know, I, everyone's got a price, right? For everything. I, I do wonder if, I mean, to use myself as an example, it's like, hmm? I'm perfectly happy with cremation. Uh, sure. And I'm like, will there be social security by the time I'm my father's age? Will there be any money? What's going to happen? I don't know. Are we sure. going to run out of space? These are the things I think about. Sure. So I, I do wonder if the mindset that we're talking about, if it was just Sandrine, I'm like, yep, your mom sounds like my dad. Mm -hmm. If that's going to change with generations. Oh, it, it changes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Sounds like it is. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. No yeah. question. And you know what? The people that are pre-planning are the ones that, that have, so your dad wants that Catholic service and it's being pre-planned and you're going to pay for it. You pay for it over time. It's going to happen. If he died three years ago when this whole thing was kind of unfolding and money was super tight, like that $12,000 wasn't there. Guess what? Mr. Flores Vatican II said cremation was okay. So just don't scatter him. Well, it's okay. The money's already been spent. So right. he's but getting what, what he saying. wants. But yes, yeah. I do. I do know what you mean. So we talk a bit about embalming sure. earlier, but I feel like I have an idea of it. And I'm sure maybe some of our listeners do as well. But can you explain like what exactly is embalming? And do you have to be embalmed? I feel like, I feel like there's still some clarification that needs to be made on this sure. topic. So the simplest way to talk about embalming is it is a preservation technique. So most states have a requirement that you do something in a period of time. The period of time differs from place to place um, or it's ill-defined, but you need to do something with a body after they've died. So you either need to refrigerate them or you need to embalm them. Because you, the state says you need to slow or you need to slow the decay. So 
decomposition happens, period. Like you stop living. Yeah. You start something else. Let's just put it that way. So, um, embalming is a replacement of bodily fluids with a preserving agent. And that's usually a formalin based agent. So you take formaldehyde and you replace the blood. So that's called circulatory embalming. And then you have cavity embalming where, um, you take, it's a big needle. Like when I say big, it's what a quarter inch in diameter and you insert it into the thoracic cavity and into the abdomen and up and yeah. So you go in there and you, you pump fluid in there, um, so that you preserve that whole section. And then there's lotions basically to keep the skin moisturized. You know, I'm not unlike a living person. So those, those three things are what keep people looking good in air quotes, <laughs> you know, for the service. So embalming is both a preserving technique and an aesthetic agent. So embalming fluid has pigments. Um, and so it, it returns color um, to the skin, you know, where, where you'd look washed out and that's all skin types, you know, you kind of look peaked grayish. Um, and so that returns kind of living color and they all have great names like in six feet under, <laughs> you know, in, in the ads. Um, but that's what embalming is. So when you're looking at refrigeration, you can, you can refrigerate someone indefinitely. And I believe me, I've had families that have gone a long time in refrigeration and it's not as effective at slowing a lot of the, so, I mean, moisture and temperature are the two things that are just, you, you don't want either of those you know, for long-term preservation. So refrigeration, while it's drier than the ambient air, it's still not great. Um, if you're trying to keep someone around for a week or two, you know, especially if you're trying to transport back to Haiti or, you know, Guatemala, Chile, you know, Australia, pick it, you know, I mean, if you're going distance, uh, you want to embalm those people. All right. One more. And that is what is a green burial? Excellent question. So green burial has, <laughs> I mean, any good attorney or any good funeral director will tell you it depends. So green burial is, is sort of a, a, a scope of, of different types of, of burial. Um, the green burial council has gone and defined green burial in, in probably the most functional and, and useful way. And there's three types. So there's the green burial in a traditional cemetery where um, they don't require an outer burial container and you can place the casket directly into the grave. Um, they may have modified lawn care there, um, you know, and it, it's sort of up to that traditional cemetery as to how, what rules they have for that placement. And then the other end of the spectrum, which is really quite magical for lack of a better term. It's, it's really impressive to see the one we have in, in Washington state here is called the meadow. Um, it's up by the Canadian border and it is a full conservation cemetery. So it has all of the documentation and plans in place to do any sort of pest and invasive species mitigation. This place, when they built it, it was returned to pre-Columbian state. So they eradicated all non-native species. They have a plan in place to maintain it that way. Um, when you're buried there, there's no embalming fluid, no plastics, no, it, it has to be natural. You cannot have anything that will not biodegrade. Um, so only natural fabrics, linen, cotton, silk. Um, no buttons, no metal buttons, no glasses, no, you, you are, it is a return to the earth. And that is the point, the burial itself, because you do not have concrete. And because the goal is to become part of the earth, you don't have outer burial containers. Um, you can have a wood casket, which will decompose, but it can't be a treated casket. You can't take that, that presidential casket, which has a high gloss varnish, you know, lacquer on it and, you know, all the 
tribe. It's got to be a simple pine box, which by the way, the pine box, not the cheapest gasket, just so you and your listeners know. Yeah, they're more expensive. It's a natural wood casket. So you can get like an MDF board with, you know, cloth covered, which is like a, anyway, that's the cheapest casket. So yeah, pine box or better yet, um, a shroud. So like a linen shroud, uh, to wrap the body and then just place the body into the grave. Uh, a true natural burial, green burial has, um, lining in the bottom of it. So, um, what they'll do is a biomass lining on the bottom to speed up or or encourage decomposition and that return to the earth. So, hay, alfalfa, you know, some some biomass on the bottom of that grave. And then you just shovel dirt on top of the person. And it is a remarkable experience. Like it is so engaged. Is I mean, it sounds lovely, honestly. It is. Would it you is. and I know you mentioned the pine box. Mm-hmm. In general, would you say it's the same price or less expensive than a let's mm. call let's call it a Catholic funeral, a, a Daniel Flores funeral. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's uh, I mean, again, it depends. It, it is it tends to be less expensive, but you don't come to green burial for cost savings. So, ah. like I said earlier, I mean, if you if the dollar is the problem, then the problem is solved with cremation, mm. right? The green burial, sure, it's going to be less expensive. You're not buying. Remember, I also said that your casket is your largest driving factor. So, a presidential casket at twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars for that casket, that's going to drive the cost of your your burial. So, if that's what you're buying, which you can't do in a green burial, then you're probably going to have a less expensive funeral, right? <laughs> so, if you're doing a shroud that's four hundred dollars. Um, you know, most shrouds are between three and five hundred dollars. So let's say you buy a four hundred dollar shroud as opposed to the pine box, which is, you know, between eight hundred and a thousand for just a simple, unfinished um, pine box. Jewish caskets are ideal for green burial because Jewish caskets do not use metal. So it is all dowel and glue. And so, you know, that pine box is going to run you eleven hundred bucks. 1200 bucks because it's it's a handmade wood casket wow. you know so i mean that it's crafted it's not just you know thrown together you know sheet metal casket um you know it's it's made so is it less expensive i mean all this is mealy mouth and i don't i don't mean it to be as it's more informational you know is it less expensive than a full traditional than what your dad paid mm, probably but then that grave site is also a larger grave site. So where a traditional, you know, a modern traditional grave is a, a 36 inch space and you can fit what 160 of them in an acre, blah, blah. I can't remember all the metrics. It's been a long time since I managed the cemetery, but you can fit a lot of people into an acre. You know, a, a true green burial cemetery, you can fit, you know, one tenth the amount of people. So that space is a lot more expensive. So if it was $3,000 for your space at, you know, whatever forest lawn cemetery, you know, the meadow, I, I don't remember their prices. I shouldn't even quote, but let's say it was 3000 there. It'd be 6,000 in another place. So a little bit of this, a little bit of that, but uh, Mm. on, on aggregate, it's going to be lower cost. That name alone. I mean, if I were a Gwyneth Paltrow type, I would <laughs> I would say yes, bury me in the meadow. It sounds, it's sounds I, if nice. you ever get to Washington State, you should go out there because you walk up and you're like, "This is it," and then you're like, "Oh my God, mm. this is it!" Wow. Yeah, I mean, I've just cool. been to some beautiful. I will end on this that there are some really beautiful cemeteries like yeah. Oh, like yeah. oh yeah you know sandrine and i we we've got or maybe there's more uh where you are um sandrine but like we have greenwood cemetery in brooklyn which is beautiful oh yeah yeah we, we went yeah yeah yeah, yeah that place is there. huge i know there's and it's gorgeous it's really yeah, nice. there's one in paris where jim morrison is buried that's a funky Lachette. one have you ever been there yes i have yeah and they had put a velvet rope around jim morrison's grave um wow. it was insane people were trying to steal his body it's just trashed yeah <laughs> it was crazy well 
Jeff, thank you so much. I, I, I don't no, know about you, Sandra, but I feel like I, I could have spoken to you for a lot yes. longer. Uh, yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you, you all. I really appreciate <laughs> it. And that was our interview with Jeff Jorgensen. Stay tuned for our next and final episode of season one. Until next time, take care of yourself and each other. Listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a line or a voice memo at caretalkerspodcast at gmail.com. That's C-A-R-E-T-A-L-K-E-R-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Send us your feedback, questions, or topics we should chat about. Care Talkers is a More Banana production executive produced by me, Anita Flores, and Sandrine Tian. It's engineered by Jesse Karen and produced by Caitlin Maldenhauer. Thank you to the Reverend John Delore for the music. You can follow me, Anita Flores, on Instagram and Twitter at Anita Jutina. That's A-N-I-T-A-J-E-W-T-I-N-A. And you can follow me, Sandrina Tan, on Instagram at Misguided Notions. Help us get the word out by telling a friend about our show today. Make sure to rate and review Care Talkers and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.